But it's actually these moments that also connect the groups and themes, and I think that's something that was always in the core of the non-formal education, that you have these dynamics, and then you know, you understand, you feel yeah, each other, and then you actually pass it on to the group. So I think that's also something that we must not forget. Hello everyone, and welcome to Under 30, a podcast brought to you by the partnership between the European Commission and the Council of Europe in the field of youth. I'm Esma Civico, and together with Lana Bazic, we'll be hosting this episode. We hope you enjoy. As a part of our podcast series, we are exploring youth learning mobility. Today with us, we have Sandra and Sneja, who are practitioners, facilitators, trainers in, the, in youth work and youth learning mobility. With the restart of learning mobility activities, we are slowly coming back to in-person format. However, over the last two years, we have explored online, blended, hybrid, and different types of learning mobility. Today, we'll speak about whether this is learning mobility, how does it happen in practice, and what are some of the challenges and benefits of different types of learning mobility. But before we go into the content, uh, we discussed a bit uh, with our guest today uh, that it is very difficult to label ourselves and put us in the boxes. So I will ask both Sandra and Sneja to briefly introduce themselves and explain how do they identify in the youth work and youth learning mobility area. So Sandra, would you like to start? Yeah, thank you, Lana. Um, it is indeed difficult to uh, to put myself in a box. Um, what I can what I can share is that I'm educated as a social worker, um, so that's my origin. Then in 1999 already, I started my first volunteering in Romania. I'm uh, I grew up in the in the Netherlands, and then in 2006 I was supporting a first youth exchange. Uh, with a big group of young people from all kinds of different countries. And uh, I decided due to, the, due to the, um, the benefit that I saw for young people joining these international mobilities to go totally into international non-formal education in 2010. So since then, I'm, I started to work as youth worker, but more grow into trainer, coordinating projects, uh, working with young people still as coach. So yeah, that's, that's a little bit what I'm doing. And the last years I'm mainly involved in uh, the Cities of Learning network, uh, that is the network and the learning platform from Cities of Learning. That's a little bit about me. Thank you, Sandra and Sneja. <laughs> Yeah, hi. Uh, it's great to be here. I think that needs to be said in a podcast episode. Um, I, anyways, um, I was really thinking, and this is the conversation we had, I work as a trainer, facilitator, a person that works with groups that needs to speak in front of the groups. I find introducing myself incredibly difficult, uh, but maybe that's a reflection for some other time. So yes, I'm Snežana, that means Snow White. I come from Serbia. Uh, and I actually always lived in Serbia. So in fact, learning mobility is my way to explore the world. Uh, I never lived longer uh, anywhere else. And I lived in Serbia also to the tur- through the turbulent 90s. And in fact, it was learning mobility that enabled me to leave and to actually cross the borders and to actually be able to, to explore. So I often say that I'm a product of youth exchanges, which is really was the place where I faced diversity in a way and learned so much about myself. 
Other things that need to be said is that my family is also product of learning mobility, but I'll spare you the details. And also my cats came uh, from the learning mobility projects. I met Sandra through learning mobility uh, as well. And nowadays I, I may mostly work as a trainer facilitator, also a consultant. I support uh, learning mobility projects and I'm also part of the EPLM, so European Platform on Learning Mobility, where we uh, take a closer look on quality. Uh, in learning mobility and this is something that I con- concerns me uh, a lot and one final thing I've been working with blended and then consequently online learning for some 13 years already so even before COVID so I find it also a fascinating area to explore. Thank you very much both of you for for those introductions and I guess now as we can see because we are here to speak about learning mobility so what better to actually start by asking like how are you living the new restart of learning mobility in general after the coronavirus pandemic let's say because of course it's been the whole sector has been completely revolutionized and I guess throughout this whole podcast we will be speaking a bit more in detail about how it got changed how it got revolutionized and how the youth sector adapted in in general to this new new type quote unquote of learning mobility. So Sandra, if you would like to maybe start with that very general question and then we can keep on maybe and give on the word to Sneja. So, yeah, to be honest, I looked forward to that a lot during uh, the pandemic, having a lot of online experiences with young people, with colleagues. Uh, I was really the last months I, I wanted to even hug my colleagues uh, through the screen, something like that. Really, miss, I started to miss my colleagues, seeing them, having, having the... Because when you're having a mobility, uh, when you see, before pandemic, you quite often are living a week together in a, in, a, in a group accommodation or in a hotel. And that is what I really started to miss. So I was really looking forward uh, to have that again, meet young people again. Although we were really trying to keep this going, this, this learning together, this meeting together online, yeah, via online opportunities. Then when it finally happened, when we had the first mobility, I was a little bit scared <laughs> because I needed to fly again. I was thinking, how will I, um, how will I feel when I am in the group, in a big group? Will I manage? Because it, online learning quite often is shorter then uh, that we are not totally a week together, but probably a few hours together in, a, in an activity online. And yeah, there was also the feeling of what if we get COVID in the group, which was scaring me a little bit. But I, I started again. We had several mobilities, learning mobilities already. Uh, we had several times COVID also in the group. So what I... What I learned again is to be flexible. We needed to be flexible when COVID started, and now we are learning to be flexible to get back into the restart of learning mobilities. That for me is, is the main part for start, to restarting the learning mobilities for now. Yeah, Sandra, I was actually waiting for the plot twist because you set the stage so well. It's like I was missing it so much that I knew that some challenges are coming as well. And I, I remember looking at this question and I was, I think what the best thing that I found that uh, describes my restart is Marvel Multiverse. Because I feel that the different worlds are coming together and different universes, which is that there are still many things happening online. There are residential act- activities that are in full swing. So it's one after another. Then there are also parts of the hybrid and blended, and all of this somehow needs to fit in one day. And I find it super uh, challenging. Uh, and I go back and I, 
I wonder, shouldn't I just have stayed in my balcony office do things online when the things were simpler? But no, I mean, I think I'm enjoying it also very much. I'm at the moment, right, when we are recording this podcast in a beautiful venue in Budapest uh, with a wonderful outdoor space. We were joking that youth work is about walking in the forest. We actually have a forest. And I think many of these things we simply were not able to do online and i mentioned previously that i was actually doing online uh, learning or facilitating online learning for for quite some years now Th- there were moments in the during the covid where i thought i never want to go back to this ever again i'm done with online learning and that's it i don't feel like that anymore i think i also understand the value i understand the value of simply being able to craft your space to organize yourself to just not be constantly on the move But I also enjoy the human interactions a lot. I think there is something about people coming together that is probably the origins of of learning mobility and why it started in the first place that simply cannot be recreated in any other environment. Or at least I, so let me do the disclaimer, I haven't found a way to recreate it fully. What I love you hearing said, Snessa, is that you wanted to go back to the easier, the more simple way of online working. And I remember also how we felt when we needed to start with being online well, exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but i also i mean at some point uh i uh we i heard your dog uh barking and i was like this was actually the moments online that i really loved i know that there will be a question about the online and so on but really the moments of getting to know uh people's families uh dogs uh kids uh partners whoever you know found their place around and this is for example one element that i still enjoy uh when i see in these meetings that i have in lunch breaks or breakfast or whatever they happen nowadays thank you both um I think we already touched upon but the differences uh, between different types of activities and how they happen and what are some of the highlights uh, of uh, staying at home and also being in a venue. Uh, but you both talked about kind of doing mobility projects online in a blended format, but also being in the forest and doing them in person. So it's quite a variety of environments in which learning mobility happens. So what would you say is learning mobility considering this huge diversity of ways of how it can be done? Yeah, I was... uh... Another thing that I want to say, actually, I told you that I'm in a learning mobility at the moment. It, it is about learning environments. So I will share some reflection later on about that. And it's really nice, I think, after COVID to think about this. What really makes a learning mobility? Is it just a different learning environment? Uh, is there a core that stays the same so that we can define? So for me, when I think what it is, I think it comes very much in visuals. I think the first visual that I would have, if you ask me what it is, is a fireplace. Because I find it as really the place where people can come together. Actually, in this in this ticket on value-based learning and mobility projects, if you haven't read it, find it on the partnership website. We have one beautiful illustration that is the fireplace on a planet, and there are different planets around. And actually, the people that are around the fireplace came from different planets. And this is, for me, maybe the perfect representation of learning mobility, because I think it, it means that you can find your spot somewhere, wherever that is, uh, that you can be yourself, that you can kind of, maybe it's, for some young people, it's also the first time to be themselves when they are kind of free from the burdens maybe of their home environment, some some things that are weighting them down, maybe that they were told how they should be. So this is really the moment that they start discovering themselves through the eyes of the others, but their own eyes. And to really, because for me, what is the most important, of course, there are other aspects that you learn a lot about the culture where they are, that you learn about the topic there, but also that you learn about your really deep things like values, 
like attitudes, like behaviors that maybe you haven't had a chance to do before. And I think there is one, another uh, thing that it describes learning environments very well, which is leaving for learning, which is that you somehow need to move, that you leave your environment in order to start learning. So maybe it doesn't actually start at the fireplace on this planet. Maybe it starts in a, whatever transport you take, but somehow that the movement itself puts you in a mindset uh, that you're kind of learning in, a, in another environment. So this is for me, it's a really special place where somehow the magic of discovering yourself mainly uh, can happen. I love how you say, Sinesh, um, the, the, the variety, the wide variety of projects, uh, the, the formats that are in, the activities that learning mobilities have and how to mobilize young people and youth workers and, and staff of organizations uh, being involved in those uh, learning mobilities. Yeah. I also have been thinking about learning mobility do you need to travel for that? And yeah, probably you also can uh, travel in the, in the digital world, in the metaverse. Um, you know, when we are going towards VR, virtual reality, or uh, probably then we can travel. Uh, I had during the whole, the whole pandemic, it's one big wish that I have. I really wanted, and I, I didn't succeed, but I will. <laughs> I didn't succeed yet, but I will. I really would like to work with holograms. So young people who can travel uh, online, uh, recording yourself and then travel to the living room of somebody else by being an hologram. So and sharing an inf your information or, or being, having this fireplace together, but then in a different way. Uh, but you can see the person in your room uh, via your phone or something like that. Uh, that's my big wish. I'm not there yet, but uh, it will be. I think it's great that both of you already dove into the actual topic of can you even consider online learning as learning mobility and it was something I wrote down now as Neja said well the whole point is the travel itself gives you a specific type of education and type of learning and I think my question is now because I mean of course COVID did bring the digital era up to the, 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 the front, let's say, of the conversation. And a good thing for that is that people that didn't have the resources to travel. So I think the general question is, can online learning, let's say, ever replace really, or is there even a bit of hope that actually that can be a better format for people that don't have the access to actually be mobile or move around? Maybe not the money, maybe they're in very deep rural areas, that's very difficult for them to move. Maybe they have jobs, maybe they're disabled, uh, et cetera. So is there even a way to even consider online learning as learning mobility in itself, if they respect certain pillars uh, of, its, of its founding, let's say, or, or what it's there for, or what the goal is? I'm not sure who, who would like to answer this very a bit complicated question. Well, actually, I wanted to add something to what Sandra was saying, which I think partly uh, goes into the question you uh, asked Ishmael. And one was, that was the, the holograms, that <laughs> the idea that I quite like. And then I had a moment of thinking that throughout these two years, let's say, but also some experiences before and after, there were moments where I felt that I personally, and then also some people in the group, managed to travel mentally into the places of other people as well. Yeah, and this is maybe connected to the Sandra's dog that I was mentioning, who I actually know uh, a little bit through some of the meetings that we had. That depending on the opportunities that you provide in this learning environment, how often people meet, how do you set up this learning environment? I think not the holograms uh, and not fully, but mentally, I think I feel that I have visited some places before and I have met some uh, people before. Like Lana, for example, I met in person what we discovered only a few weeks ago. 
But I, it was very hard for me to believe that because we built a relationship over two years, over different. So it was not learning mobility. It was mostly meetings and also some workshops as well. But then there is space for that. Yeah. To say that the, the mobility itself doesn't lack. I'm not there yet. I cannot tell you, no, it's it's a perfect replacement or it's, yeah, it's equal in that sense and, and so on. I, I think we still need to work with this, but let's not forget that two years is nothing compared to decades of different mobility experiences or centuries, if you would like. Maybe it was not called learning mobility back then, but surely people learned by my booming and, and so on. So I think we need to give ourselves more chance to explore and utilize the possibilities there. And for sure, for some people, it definitely enabled a better access uh, to opportunities. Yeah, uh, you mentioned some, and I think for a variety of reasons. Also, I have colleagues who have small kids and they cannot travel, but they would still like access to learning opportunities or they would like to facilitate and do their jobs or do not move for whatever reason. Yeah, so I think definitely there is a potential there. I think maybe we start by utilizing blended and hybrid formats uh, because there they give us still a bit uh, residential maybe to to utilize. But I I somehow now I had after I had a break and my frustration lower down, I still feel that online has a potential that we need to explore further on. Yeah, for for me also, I think it will enrich. Uh, I think the 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 online meetings, the hybrid, the blended, it it enrich the the meetings that we have in person also because people are learning differently or want or have different interests and it gives more opportunities to connect with the interest of of young people of staff of youth workers than um, than being totally in for a week for example in a youth exchange and at the same time i also think that it is important due to the fast the fast changing technology uh, that we have nowadays, that we also support people involved in youth work to be more digital in different ways. So I see for myself a, a task here to, to, to use uh, digital tools, to use communication tools to support young people to be ready for their future. So that is where I see and don't want to give up totally the the... The, the digital experiences that we have. I'm raising my hand. I know this is uh, just audio, but I'm also thinking that here, uh, I told you that we are part of uh, the, the course that explores the, um, the learning environments. I think learning environments are part of it. It's our context, it's a setup, it's the net that holds us, but it's very much what we do with it, uh, I think, and how much we invest in it. And I have a feeling that we invested quite a lot in shaping the learning spaces when we meet in person. But then there are also processes, there are also methods that we use and so on. So, of course, if you bring the group of young people online or the adults, if you like, and then use methods that, okay, ask questions, there are some interactions without actually supporting this um, this mental or even like imaginary travel and so on, then maybe it stays on some surface. But if there are other approaches that actually push people to go further and to really do something and bring their local community and then involve with the tasks and so on, I think that there are possibilities there that uh, that we simply just need to find out yeah, and also get more familiar. I think the main question is also when you asked, are they formats here to stay? And also are the youth workers and facilitators of learning ready to embrace them? and to develop the, develop the competences to really use them properly and not just uh, as, a, as something that works in COVID and then the pandemic is over and then uh, here we are. Yeah, one, one example that I, that I would like to share following you, Snesa, is that um, in the projects that we are doing right now, the trainings that we give, for example, we have given a, a leadership training 
where not all young people could be part of. And what we tried out there is to, to have a, a hybrid meeting where young people could meet online locally, but also we were searching for ways to uh, meet online. So they meet it, meet it in person locally, but then online internationally and combining these. And that makes, that enrich the, the learning experience, I think. It's not, it's, it's not proven by research, but it gives more opportunities to have kind of pre-meetings locally, but also internationally. I saw quite often that young people who don't dare to travel yet, having the experiences and meeting online with other young people, getting to know them a little bit better before they start traveling, was making the, 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 the fear for this, shall I go or not go, lower. And that made some young people already uh, dare to take the step to go on the mobility, even with all the challenges of, of COVID or, or war uh, situations. So it, it gave them a, a, a space of uh, safety. That's one of the big, big efforts that I've seen right now till now one other thing one other example that i would like to share is that i for a while already i was thinking um i love non-formal learning i love the experience but can i en enrich or can i make this experience more sustainable how can i do that and using more online tools i can see that young people are are quite often using the for example when we are using the the cities of learning platform about in that this leadership training i give some information like in a formal training uh, i give some additional information knowledge about leadership or a part of leadership and if young people want they can see it it's still voluntarily but it enriched their learning experience by the knowledge by giving the, by deepening their learning experience and also what I see is by using uh, more blended learning and onla using online learning in, in, in for example, youth, youth exchanges or youth trainings, is that when you are not ready yet, for example, to recognize your learning in reflection, but giving people an online tool where reflection can happen and they can choose their own timing. For example, after three months, I will still fill in this online questionnaire or reflection tool and we are offering as youth workers still that the availability our availability to support with this reflection then the learning becomes more sustainable so having this blended forms included in youth work is for me enriching yes i can't stop wondering whether the digitalization let's say of learning mobility poses a threat or a risk to actual learning mobility for what we're thinking about. Because maybe some people are going to become too complacent and they're going to say, oh, well, if we can do it online, then there's no point of us seeing each other in person. And uh, I mean, we have realized that a lot of in-person meetings could have been settled with two emails. I mean, of course, there's some pros and cons, but don't you think there's maybe a threat really for maybe less funding going into actual learning mobility to giving the resources for people to travel and see each other in person saying oh no well you can do a three-day workshop online on zoom it'll be a lot cheaper it'll be a lot more accessible and you can do all your other things uh, does that even maybe cross your mind that it could potentially be a threat for the future of learning mobility 
so far it doesn't seem so at least judging by the number of uh, of uh, in person resi- uh, in person residential activities happening at the moment also when you speak about funding i have to say it doesn't look like uh, there is a risk that more funding would go into online blended and hybrid and residential because that's actually what we were trying to fight for to actually explain that that online is not necessarily cheaper yes you don't have traveling but there are so many other things that you need to set up so i think when it comes to cost if we look at the real cost I think that the online will not, I think, uh, be necessarily much cheaper. I hope that we will go, but it also depends a lot of, of different stakeholders working together. I think we should go, we and we will hopefully go in the direction of understanding how these different formats can complement each other, because I think there is experience there that shows that. Yeah, I mean, we mainly spoke about online and, and in-person, and Sandra mentioned some experiences of hybrid and blended, but it's actually, for me, the main question is how are the hybrid and blended going to complement the in-person mobility? Yeah? When it comes to meetings, indeed, uh, hopefully some meetings will become emails uh, and not just in person. Also, hopefully some Zoom meetings will become emails or SMSs, uh, if possible. But I would, I choose to believe, uh, and maybe that's too hopeful, that we would reflect and really start to understand, okay, what can be online and is the most efficient online? What is actually, uh, what can be in person? Uh, where do we have the resources to invest in blended? Because it's blended, actually, that takes, I would say, the most resources because you really have if done properly, a long-term process that enables people to what Sandra was saying, learn in their own time, in their own pace, and then also come together and do it together and benefit from an international community. And when can we do it hybrid, which means that we can bring in people who simply cannot be with us, but still enable for people to meet together. Yeah. So, and finally, I wanted to say that I think it's also, I felt a bit early uh, to answer these questions. I think we also rushed to say, aha, COVID is somehow over, although I don't think it is. And let's now decide whether we do residential, do online and so on. But there is so much learning that we need to process, uh, so much things that happened that we still didn't have time to think about. We, we started rushing, doing our, you know, catching our planes and rushing off to the in-person activities. So I think to really fully answer your questions, I think we would need to reconvene to record another podcast in a year or so, <laughs> when hopefully we will have a time to, to debrief and, and digest a bit. I totally endorse you, Snezana. <laughs> uh, I also. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, I also think um, uh, in-person meetings are incredibly important uh, because you you can you see a lot more non-verbal communication. You can feel each other. You can there's m- much more communication. And if you look at the 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 aims of um, uh, and the the aims of of mobilities of learning mobilities. That's also what we need to, we need to connect, to keep connected, to, to being connected with each other and uh, to fully understand each other. Sometimes you also need to get to know each other better. And yes, that is also by being on Zoom and seeing each other's animals or kids or living rooms. But it is also to, uh, together to have that reflection moments after a training that you deliver with each other or uh, the chat that you have at the dinner table uh, when you are doing a youth exchange. Those are very important moments to connect. Yeah, and I was just thinking that recently I had a couple of these moments where as a team you would arrive earlier to an activity. Yeah, uh, And I found, and I know that we also say, no, the preparation should then be moved online. But it's actually these moments that also connect the groups and teams. And I think that's something that was always in the core of the non-formal education, that you have these dynamics and then you know, you understand, you feel yeah, each other, and then you actually pass it on to the group. So I think 
that's also something that we must not forget. And I have a feeling that if we can influence anything as practitioners or uh, the youth partnership as well and so on, it's maybe to also stop ourselves perpetuating, if that's the word, black and white questions of should this exist or not exist? Yeah, or should we do more of this or that? But more thinking of, okay, now we actually, we have a gift of at least four different learning environments in terms of uh, presence digitally on in person. How do we use them and for what? And I think that's something that we need to start asking. We might still be asked from the, and I will not name names, but from the higher instances to justify or to ask these kind of questions. But at least we ourselves, let's have different kind of conversation of this. Okay, how do we make this happen with the best resources or the most uh, efficiently and to the best quality possible? Yeah. Yes, yeah, indeed. <laughs> indeed. And then also I want to add to this part, uh, including also the, the mental health of the people who are working in the, in the youth field, because there's a lot of pressure of doing everything and all uh, at the same time. So that is uh, so mental health Absolutely. can be included. Yes. Thank you both. It has been really enriching. And I think one of the things, uh, one of the things that came out through this podcast is also your absolute passion for learning mobility and uh, commitment to commitment to it. Um, I think we covered the types of learning environments, uh, not only blended online hybrid, but we also touched upon the travel planets, UFOs, fireplaces, uh, holograms, and all the different ways through which we can learn travel. Uh, connect uh, with each other. I would just like to ask if you would uh, want to add anything else, any closing words, uh, any words of inspiration and motivation uh, for those that are practicing learning mobility in different environments. Yeah, for me, for me, what I would really look forward is that people keep embracing the opportunities that are ahead. Uh, I would really like to keep the cooperation and the support that we give each other uh, while being in this unknown world of starting again. Eh? The first the pandemic, but now restarting uh, again and, and embrace also the skills that we are learning so, and sharing with each other. That's what I would uh, wish for all of us. Thank you, Sandra. I feel the wish and I, I take it. For me, the first thing that came into my mind that uh, this week we also, when, when thinking about learning environments, had architects with us who, uh, who came as visiting experts who talked a lot about the form and function and which one follows which. And I wish to all of us to somehow stop focusing so much on the form, uh, but think about what do we use it for? And what is the essence there? And is it the connection? Is it that we need to kind of provide access? Is it that we need to, and we want to have an, to extend the learning process? Is it that we want to involve the people who cannot travel with us? And then when we know what are our needs and why are we doing this, I think the form comes uh, and we just need to learn how to, to use it. And with those ending notes, we have reached an end to our episode. Thank you very much, Suneja and Sandra, for participating in this podcast, and to Lana for co-hosting this episode with me. And to all the listeners, remember to follow us on Instagram at EUCOEYouth to stay up to date with all our future content. Thank you very much, and see you next time.